it's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my team. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's episode is with Jen Lebeski. I couldn't wait to talk to Jen for a number of reasons, but she's just somebody who is kind of at the intersection of motivational and aspirational. And by that, I mean, she is someone who's overcome quite a bit in her life and really talks about empowering yourself, you know, the, the grittiness that we all have, finding your inner compass, your inner strength, all of those things. And I couldn't wait to talk to her for that exact reason. One of the things that oftentimes happens in the running community is that we get hung up on basically connecting people's knowledge with their running times. And Jen is an extremely knowledgeable person. Is she the fastest runner out there? No, but that doesn't matter. She is an incredible runner who's done a lot of things, and I couldn't wait to talk to her for that exact reason. She's also the person behind Grit Chicks, which is a wonderful retreat and Instagram and online community. And I couldn't wait to talk to her about that as well. Before we get into it, I do want to give you a heads up. I'm going to be launching something new in the very near future. At the end of June, I'll put out some uh, some links and some ways for you to get some information. I'm sorry, not the end of June. Sorry about that. The end of May. There it is. Um, about what we're going to be launching in June is something I'm really excited about. I've been working on for a while, and I think that you will like it. So just keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. It's going to be a really fun launch, and I just can't wait to get into it. It's something that once the Olympic trials were postponed to next year, I was kind of bummed about that because Road to the Olympic trials was going to continue for the track trials, and I'll still do that. Um, Maybe in the fall, we'll pick up where we left off. I had a a great roster of runners who had agreed to do it, and uh, I'll be reconnecting with them shortly and see if we want to do kind of like a nine-month build like we did for the marathon. But in the meantime, I got something else we'll be launching. And again, like I said, I think you'll really like it. I know I'm really excited about it. So uh, stay tuned for that if you want more information about that. You can go follow me on Instagram and on Twitter. It's both rambling underscore runner, and you'll get more information there in the next week or two. But right now, it's time to talk to Jen Lebeski. Hello, Jen, and welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. I really appreciate you coming on. We were just talking uh, before we hopped on about, uh, you know, just the where we are right now is Gil's letting you know that I'm actually recording this from a local graveyard because my kids are going nuts in my house. I needed to just like step away and find, try to find a quiet place to do this. Um, I don't think this is the most appropriate place, but it seems to be working. But for you, what's, what's the past couple of weeks been like? Um, nothing too different because, well, my kids are home, but they are older. Um, they're, uh, what are they, 14 and 16, 15? I don't know, 14 and 16. Um, so they're pretty self-sufficient, and now they're starting the e-learning. So um, that'll be fun. <laughs> so you haven't uh, dove into that yet with them and trying to manage it from a parent's perspective and, and all that? No, no, I haven't. In fact, my eighth grader, they do um, an online learning platform at school anyways. It's uh, Facebook. It's a Matt um, or whatever his name is, a Mark Zuckerberg program. Um that they do anyway, so they're used to it. So they'll be fine on their own. Got it, got it. All right, so I was excited to have you on, not only for your own personal story reasons and 
you're someone who has, you know, as you mentioned to me before, is an open book about a lot of things, you know, redemption being a common theme for you, as well as grit, uh, founder of Grit Chicks, and you're an author as well. You're running retreats and all of this stuff. I guess for the most part, one thing I want to touch on early on is how long has running been an integral part of your life? Um, well, I honestly did not start running until I turned 40. So, and I'll be 47 next in May, next month, basically. Um, and well, I ran track in ninth grade, but all I did was long jump, um, because I had been a gymnast before that. Um, but I had never been a runner and I wasn't after ninth grade either, but I turned 40 and I had, um, a, well, I have a congenital back, uh, spine issue and it was getting really bad. And the, uh, my husband would come home and find me on the floor. I couldn't move. I'd have to, you know, ask my little boys to bring me the phone so I could call him. Um, I was in the chiropractor's office three and four days a week and I just kind of finally had enough of it. And I, <clears throat> I turned 40 and I was just tired of feeling broken. Um, so I went to the chiropractor and I said, you mind if I try running? And he said, well, you know, I don't think you should, but you know, if you do, don't ever go over a mile. Um, and oh my God. I'm like, what? you can't run more than a mile. Exactly. <laughs> I know exactly. So we have a fabulous, uh, physical therapist in town. So I went to him and he said, no, no, no. He's like, you know, we'll, we'll get your body working and, you know, under the right stresses and with the right, you know, strength work and rehabilitation, you know, your body will adapt to whatever stresses you put on it. Um, so yeah, that was almost, well, six and a half years ago. So was there a legitimate reason that your chiropractor had kind of prescribed that limited method? Or was it just someone who's been burned by running in the past and has this altered sense of what its effects could be? No, I think he was just very protective. Um, you know, there is uh, quite a bit of arthritis in my um, sacrum area. And um, he says it's a weakness, but, um, you know, he's probably trying to play it safe. Um, you know, and being protective. Right. And then with the congenital back issue, how did it manifest itself in your life? Obviously you mentioned like what, it, what it could do, um, like it's, it's, it's effects, but would it pop up at like random times and certain things aggravate it? What was just its, its, its general impact on you in terms of, you know, the process of living your life and how it could interrupt that process? Well, honestly, it didn't do anything until after I had my second son. And I think part of what aggravated, I didn't even know I had it. They found it in an x-ray. I had no symptoms my whole life. Apparently, it's something that it develops around the time you're 18. And when that last um, set of vertebrae, I'm not a doctor, but those those little vertebrae at the bottom separate from your sacrum is my understanding. And one side didn't separate, so it's still fused to my sacrum. Um, and again, I didn't know I had it. I had no issues until I had my second son. And I think, you know, childbirth probably aggravated it, but also carrying him. I carried him forever on my hip. Um, and so it was started in that first year when he was, you know, first year of life. And it would just come from out of nowhere. I mean, it would just seize up um, excruciating pain. And like, I would have to lower myself onto the floor and just lay flat until my husband could get home from work. Um, and you know, a lot of times he would drive me, even the chiropractor even met us on Saturday mornings. <laughs> they weren't open because I literally couldn't move. Um, and it honestly didn't get better until I started running as crazy as that sounds. Um, just like my physical therapist said, he, you know, that th there are weaknesses in your back 
but you know, the, the, the stresses of running, if you do it gradually and, you know, with the proper strength training, um, you actually will reinforce those weaknesses with the other, you know, with the musculature and everything else. And he was right. I haven't had any issues. Wow. So had you tried other forms of activity or, you know, athletics uh, during that time between, you know, your son's first year of life and then deciding to pick up running? No, not really. I mean, I would go to the gym and do the elliptical, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but no impact at all. Um, I really didn't do a whole lot from honestly from ninth grade until what was I 43? No, no, 39, 40, whatever, 40 when he was born. So what about running then? What, what, what was what made running the thing that you chose? Um, <laughs> a lot of things. You know, I had seen the difference that it had made um, emotionally, mostly in a lot of my friends' lives. Um, I had one friend in particular, a childhood friend from high school. Um, and, you know, he kind of encouraged me. And I thought, well, I can't do that. Um, and I remember I, I just would go out and I would run for a minute and then I'd walk for a minute and then I'd run for a minute and I'd walk. <laughs> and that just gradually turned into, I remember the first time I sent him a text and I said, I just ran three miles. And he said, you just ran a 5k. And I went, huh? I did what? <laughs> I had no idea what that meant, but I was so excited. And how quickly into, into this you know, foray into running, did you start feeling better? Um, I mean, I honestly, pretty quickly, because I don't remember, you know, after the chiropractor said no more than a mile, I didn't go back to him. I have a new chiropractor who I love. Um, but I honestly never had to go back to him. I can't remember, but I don't think I had any back issues. I mean, it would have been, you know, my physical therapist treated, you know, with the electrical stim and, and minor adjustments, but nothing crazy. I was never on the floor again. Now you you know, live this life now, um, where it's so interesting as you seem to be like the hub of a wheel for people in, you know, the running and yoga and just people who are trying to embrace their inner strength, uh, maybe amplify their inner strength if they've already embraced it in the first place and really kind of take on this persona of strong and tough, but in like this really welcoming and warm way. Is this something that is this like basically a lifestyle uh, and business in, 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 in some senses where that you kind of had, had laid out ahead of time that this was kind of the, the, the end goal or how, what was the process during which this was created? Um, no, it's honestly evolved completely from the beginning. Um, I just I'm a big proponent of following my gut and my heart. Um, my heart has always led me to other women. Um, and I think through, through the changes that I saw in my own life and, you know, the fact that I felt at 40, you know, 39, 40, that, um, well, shoot, even 38, 39, those years, um, you know, broken. And it affects every level of your life, emotional, you know, not just the physical level. Um, and so when I kind of started to feel better and, and saw how empowering running could be, um, you know, I was listening to your podcast with Amanda Brooks and you guys, or she had mentioned, you know, the idea of women specifically not considering themselves real runners if they haven't run a certain number of, or a marathon or, or whatever. Um, and I kind of found that to be true. Um, and so I don't know, I guess I just, I, I wanted to share 
be open with my, you know, with people about myself, what I went through in the hopes that that would allow them to go, you know what? I get it. I feel the same way. And maybe I am a real runner or maybe I am, you know, tough. Maybe I'm stronger than I think that I am. And that was sort of what inspired it. And then it just sort of evolved from there. And when you say that you were broken, uh, at, 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 you know, at that point of your life or at various points in your life, what exactly are you referring to? Well, it depends on, <laughs> it depends on the point of my life. <laughs> um, you know, at that point it was, it was mostly physical, um, you know, with the, the back issue. Um, but leading up to that, I had been through a lot of different things. I was d- married and divorced very young. Um, and, you know, at 23, I had to leave my marriage. And so I packed a van and moved to Colorado from Indiana um, by myself, didn't know a soul, and, um, you know, started over from there. And that was the first real moment where, you know, I just sort of had to reinvent myself. Um, from the ground up. Um, you know, I didn't have a job, anything. Um, I guess I was 26 then. Um, and then I met my husband in Brackenridge where we lived and, um, everything was great. And then the back issue came. And so it was almost like, you know, here we go again with having to, um, you know, kind of reinvent myself or build myself back up. If that makes sense. So, yeah. So going back to the end of that first marriage, then, you know, you know, hopping in a van and driving to Colorado, that almost sounds like the beginning of a movie that you would see. Like on Netflix, you know, like, oh, what is this movie about? Like, oh, this, this person just driving to Colorado, like starting a new life. You know, like, what, what about that, you know, what was that decision like in terms of not only like, all right, it's time to leave, it's time to go, but this, you know, broader, more, you know, more impactful decision of like, all right, like, and I'm just going to go somewhere new. I don't know anybody. Like, and then this is where I'm going to go. Like, obviously, if you don't, you can go. If your whole idea is I just need to leave, there are endless choices, right? So, what was the decision making process for you? Of like, okay, not only am I leaving, but I need to go somewhere new, and this is what I'm going to decide upon. Um, you know, I had been there, um, ironically, with my first husband. A friend of his was married, um, and that's sort of where I came to the conclusion that you know this wasn't a healthy relationship, and. Um, so it was during that wedding, um, in just outside of Denver. Um, and we were supposed to fly back together and I have, I rented a car and drove home so I could have some time to think back to Indiana. And I don't know what happened, but, you know, I came from a place as a teenager where I couldn't sleep in my own bedroom. I was terrified to be alone. I would sleep on my mom's floor as a teenager. I would sleep on my mom's floor. Um, and something clicked when I made that, you know, during that drive from, um, Denver to Indianapolis, um, something clicked and it was, uh, I'm not going to go all woo woo on you or anything, but I felt completely guided. There were blinders and I had a strength that I've never felt before and everything fell into place. I met a complete stranger who needed a ride. So I had someone to share the drive with on the way back. I mean, it was just the most, it was meant to be. And I, I, I still to this day don't even understand how it happened because <laughs> I was not a strong person at all. I was definitely not independent. So when you decided to to head back to Breckenridge, was part of it this idea of trying to recapture or to hold on to that feeling that you had gained on the way back? Exactly, exactly. And I hadn't been to Breckenridge. Um, There was just a a group of people um, at the wedding who had talked about it and how great it was. And I was like, well, that sounds cool, Um, that we're from there. Um, I don't know them, but um, just sounded cool. And so I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> and nothing to lose, I guess. I mean, what is that like? I've never met somebody who just picked up, moved to a new place with no established relationships and has, you know, leaving a lot of stuff in the rearview mirror as well. What's that like trying to set up a whole new life for yourself with no support system around? Um, you know, it really was a lot of fun. Uh, I guess because I had never been independent before, um, it was new. I mean, I was, I had been in the mortgage business and real estate. And so I was able to get a job at a bank really quickly. So financially I was fine. You know, I wasn't making a ton of money, but you know, I was able to pay my rent. I found a tiny apartment. Um, and you know, socially I met people at the bank, so I was able to go out and it was a lot of fun. You know, I was single. Um, there are a lot of guys <laughs> in Summit County. Um, they say the odds are good, but the goods are odd. No, no. Yes, that's it. The odds are good, but the goods are on. No offense, but it was like that. There's so, you know, it's fun to be a single woman in Summit County. Um, but I think I got caught up in that. You know, I had been with my first husband since I had been in college. So I really didn't get that life of going out, meeting people, hanging out. Um, and so I just sort of fell into that. And I also had been a rock climber um, in Indiana. So I got back into just at climbing gyms. So when I got to Colorado, I met other rock climbers and, you know, started doing some camping and some climbing. And, you know, it was really just, I mean, it felt like a party. Life just felt fun. You know, I had my nine to five job. And then after that, I was free. And in, in a lot of what you write about, and I know that you, you hold these retreats as well, you talk about, you know, basically living life according to your own gut instinct and not abiding by societal rules or rules that people have around you. What were some of the, what were some of those constructs that kind of held you back uh, at various points in your life before this most recent awakening, um, you know, that, that really have led you to your current place? Oh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> uh, I think, you know, one very, really obvious one is, um, when I decided to get married, I thought that I was supposed to be, you know, I mean, he was my dream guy. I met him in college. Um, he was getting, um, a degree in information technology. So, you know, the future was great. Um, my degrees in psychology. And so, um, you know, everything was falling into place. Um, and so, you know, things weren't looking good, in our relationship, they weren't, it wasn't a healthy relationship, but I thought that's what you were supposed to do next. You know, I found the good looking, successful husband. We're both graduating at the top of our class. You know, we're on the right track. You know, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. Um, and so, you know, even, you know, I write about it sometimes, you know, my dad and I were really close and even right before the wedding, he said, you know, you can back out. Don't let all the plans that people have made and everyone else's expectations force you to go through with this because he knew it wasn't right. Um, and, but I did. I did. Um, and it took me a couple of years, you know, to admit that he had been right. And, you know, I let everyone else's expectations. I didn't want to let anybody else down. Um, and I think that a lot of women, I think men too, but I think, you know, my understand, I understand women a lot better than I do men. Um, but I think a lot of women live that way. You know, we're supposed to go to college. We're supposed to, you know, have kids. We're supposed to stay home, but we're supposed to work out of the house. There's, you know, there's so many shoulds that we have. Um, and so just for me, it was very liberating, um, off on a tangent here, but my dad passed away. It'll be two years, um, this in April. Um, and as we were that close and he sort of instilled a lot of this in me, um, you know, being with him in those last moments as he passed, it was, 
it, it was just that moment where I was like, you know what, to heck with all of this, you know, he's right. I can make my own rules. Um, and it was just sort of the final, I don't know, the final straw that, that whatever just finally set me free. And I was just done, you know, and it's great because the funny thing is, is that, you know, I, I found a, I found a, um, fortune in a fortune cookie right about the time this happened. And I'm, you know, crazy about these kinds of things, but it said, um, if you want to be a power for love, then be yourself. And I was like, that's exactly right. I mean, that's the, all those messages came together at once. And I, you know, I was like, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to stop apologizing. I'm going to stop doing, you know, I take care of my kids. I do my work, you know, but outside of that, you know, just it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to want to be happy. It's okay to not ignore your own needs and your own desires. Um, even if other people around you don't like it, you know, if it's not affecting them, then go for it. Right. Absolutely. And I think academically, that's something that I can, you know, I, I hear that. I'm like, yes, like that sounds great. Then I also think to myself, like, yeah, but you're also a parent. And like, you know, being a parent <laughs> has this like, you know, I don't want to paint it in a negative light, but being a parent can be all encompassing. It can be, you know, it can literally affect every and all areas of your life, you know, and especially depending on how or what your work situation is like, it can even impact that in a lot of profound ways. So living this way, as you mentioned and eloquently talked about, while also being a parent to two, to two people and trying to raise them the right way, and, you know, fulfilling their needs and, and, and so on and so forth can oftentimes, at least for me, be kind of a contradiction in terms in, in a lot of different ways. How have you tried to navigate that process uh, as well? Um, it, it's definitely a juggle. I, I've made a lot of decisions um, when we moved from Colorado. Um, I, when we were in Colorado, I had worked at a bank. And then after Sage, my oldest son was born. I actually started a mortgage company. Um, my husband was a builder. We were doing great, but we made the decision when we moved here that one of us would stay home. Um, and ultimately he had more income potential here than I did. So we started a construction company together. So I was blessed in that I was able to work from home when they were little. I did his bookkeeping, um, still do his marketing, all of that. Um, so financially that was, you know, we were very lucky in that sense that we could work as a team and I could still focus on the kids. Um, it was a juggle as you're finding with this homeschooling now, um, trying to make everything work. Um, I did actually homeschool my kids for the first few years, um, on top of all of that. But one of the things that's really been my guiding force, there are a couple things with parenting. One thing when I was homeschooling with a group, a Montessori group, um, that the um, leader said to me or to everybody um, was never do for a child something they can do for themselves. And that's something that I've always gone by. My kids, you know, they've been folding their laundry, making their own lunches, doing everything for a long time. And that frees up a lot of time for me to do my own thing. Um, it also, I feel like it gives them a sense that they can do things um, if I'm not around, if I'm not available. Um, and another thing, there are two other things that I've in parenting, one of them with my kids, as I've said, if you're brave enough to ask me a question, I'm brave enough to answer it honestly. So they're, you know, we have a very open relationship. And so if something's going wrong, they'll come to me and say, Hey, you're in a bad mood today. And I'll explain to them, you know, or we have a very open, you know, lines of communication. Um, and the last thing that I've always done with my kids is I've encouraged them to be themselves. And with this idea of the shoulds aside, um, just be yourself. You know, I, I told them I have one 
Uh, my youngest is a skateboarder. He's got hair down the middle of his back. Um, uh, and then Sage is more traditional um, academic. Uh, but I've told, especially my youngest, I said, you know, you, you can't wear um, dirty clothes or clothes with holes. But other than that, I don't care if you want to pierce your nose, wear a mohawk. I don't care. Be yourself. Express yourself. Uh, that's totally different than a lot of people's philosophies. And I think that that's, you know, there's no right or wrong. And I think that that's the key is there is no right or wrong. It's everybody has their own way of doing things. And if it feels right to them, then it is right. And that's where the shoulds kind of come into play is even with that kind of thing. I'm not going to tell my, you know, they both, I will say this too. They both do have straight A's. They both are very good students. And so I don't have any, um, I can't ground them. I don't have any issues like that um, where where I have to tell them to be different than they are because they're doing a great job. And so in many ways, I, I can realize that the way I'm looking at things is coming from a situation where I am very fortunate, um, if that makes sense. I feel like I'm kind of rambling, which is appropriate, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we're here for, Jen. Uh, you, know, so you, you founded Grit Chicks, uh, and we'll get to that for sure. But it sounds like you raised your sons to be gritty in a sense with this idea of like not doing anything for them that they can do for themselves. I love that mantra. Again, at, at the same time, I also have this initial reaction of like, okay, if I'm going to make that work, it seems like a lot of investment early on in terms of like getting over that like, you know, that willing, that the, almost that willful helplessness that kids can have when they don't want to do something and they like pretend <laughs> yeah. they can't and they whine and moan and you know, you're just like, oh my God, this is driving me nuts. My life will just be easier if I just do it. Yes. And then, you know, coming to gross with the sense of like, that's a good short-term solution, you know, but it might not be the best long-term solution. And then almost like with running itself, you know, that kind of aiming for that better long-term solution is probably the more healthy avenue, even if it isn't as you know beneficial in the short run. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's true, but it is a lot of work and it's, um, you know, and again, I don't know that there's a right way or a wrong way, you know, as long as, as long as everybody involved is, is fulfilled and happy, you know, everyone has their own way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So what, what brought you to the idea of, of forming uh, Grit Chicks and then also having your uh, run in yoga retreats around a lot of the same topics that we've already discussed? Um, you know, that just evolved naturally as well. I know that, you know, I got on, I've been on Instagram a couple of years and I saw a lot of women in the same situation that I was in before I got on Instagram. Um, most of my running friends, Shannon included, um, I've met through Instagram. I mean, Shannon lives 20 miles from me, but we met through Instagram. And, and I should say, people um, are like, who's Shannon? As if like, oh. <laughs> Shannon's one of your friends that we were talking about, who you know, was a mutual friend of ours, who we had talked about before we started airing. So someone's like, wait, I missed the Shannon part. That's where that's coming <laughs> Sorry. from. <It's> Shannon Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, threw that out there. Um, but yeah, you know, I, most of my friends that I run with now, I met through Instagram. And I found that there were a lot of women who didn't have that connection. Um, you know, I would get a lot of messages or comments on Instagram, you know, that you're so lucky to have a group of friends to run with. And I wish I had somebody to run with. Um, and that's when I created the Grit Chicks, um, the page, the Instagram, you know, page and, you know, just kind of to try and give people, and I know there are other ones out there as well. Um, but try to give women a, a place to get together, a place to, um, cheer each other on, um, women maybe that, 
not only women that don't have a connection, but, you know, a, a place that feels safe, I suppose, a place that feels all accepting, you know, so that someone like me, who's, you know, like a, a 10, 20 pace marathoner, not a seven minute pace marathoner. And then somebody who's a 13 minute mile marathoner, everybody kind of can come together. You know, it's not, everybody's a runner. Everybody is, um, accepted and encouraged. And that's kind of what happened with the retreats as well. I wanted an opportunity for women to come together and try things. You know, the Shingatee Island retreat is really fun because not only do we do yoga on the beach, but we also have uh, stand up paddle boarding and kayaking and, um, Last year, one of the women who's a really strong runner, she had never um, paddleboarded and she was terrified and she's this athlete and she's adorable and she was terrified. Um, but it's that kind of, and she did it and she was phenomenal. I mean, she never, I don't think she ever fell in. Um, but it's just that kind of a concept of, you know, a safe place for women to come together and be vulnerable and, you know, and have those TMI conversations and express things that they, you know, maybe they don't feel comfortable expressing in another place, but it's just a very safe um, supportive place to try things and step outside of your comfort zone and, and, you know, find your power. Yeah. And, and the idea of being vulnerable to other people, um, you know, it can be a tough thing, especially if you're not talking to maybe, you know, a, a licensed therapist or someone like that. If you're just talking to another person who's kind of in the same boat as you, uh, in a matter of speaking, um, I feel like that can be such a tough thing because you almost like you, once you give voice to something that's bothering you, I know oftentimes that's usually, you know, the kind of the, the road to solving it. But in the moment, it can also feel like, all right, if I give voice to this, that also makes it real. And that can be a terrifying thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It can be very scary. Um, and, you know, I think everyone has their own comfort level with how much of, you know, like I say, I'm an open book. Um, but you know, for other people, you know, maybe they can just let a little tip of the iceberg out and that's enough for them. They feel, you know, relief. And, um, but one thing that I have found that to be true is, you know, the more that we admit our weaknesses and our flaws and our screw ups, the more that people around us feel like they can do the same and that it's okay. Um, because I do think that a lot of society's expectation is that everybody's got their, you know, what together, you know, we've all got it figured out. We've all got it together. Um, and we don't, I mean, most of us don't. And I think there's freedom in admitting that. And not that our retreats are therapy sessions because they absolutely are not. But when you get a group of women together for three nights and they're, you know, doing all these things together, invariably, you know, the TMI conversations come out and the emotions a lot of times, you know, are just, it just starts flowing. Um, but everybody's got their own comfort level. You know, I have friends who I've known forever and I don't know a lot about them on that level. And then I have other friends like Shannon who I meet and, you know, two years later, I feel like we've known each other all our lives and we know all each other's secrets and, you know, everybody's just got their own and that's fine. And again, that comes back to, there is no wrong. You know, that's the whole idea is whatever works for, that's where the shoulds have no place because you should, should you share? Well, if it feels right to you, should you not share if that feels right to you? you know, and there's no right or wrong. And what's it like being someone who's leading that effort? Because, you know, obviously if you're going to do that, then it's beholden on you to, you know, be the first person in line to share those things. And at the same time, like you also, like you live a pretty good life as well, right? I mean, like here you are, like you have two healthy and happy kids who are, you know, doing well in school and they're, they seem like really adjusted kids. You know, you're, 
you're running these successful entrepreneurial ventures and you know, like you're super fit and you got a lot of things going for you. So when you have this entrepreneurial side where you're talking about vulnerabilities and no BS and all of that stuff, what's the pressure like for you to be the first one in line to share all that stuff to kind of set the tone for the others? Um, you know, it just, I don't even think about it anymore because I am such an open book. Um, you know, and the other side of it is I'm very lucky. The yoga instructor that, um, helps me with the retreats, we do them together. Essentially. Um, we met when we lived in Colorado, we were rock climbing friends and, um, she's just like me. And so, you know, when at meeting both of us the first time, I mean, the conversations could revolve around anything. Um, we just, you know, we're both just open books. And so I, I, it doesn't even feel like pressure to me. It almost feels natural. Like that's kind of, I don't know. It's just, I mean, it's become my way of being. And so I don't even really think about it. And sometimes I put my foot in my mouth because I don't have a filter and I do say whatever comes to my mind. Um, and it can be embarrassing sometimes. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, it, I don't know. It just doesn't even really phase me anymore. I kind of feel like, I don't know if I'm, I just don't have, I don't know what the word is. And I think part of it was when I watched my dad die, but I, I realized in the, at a very profound level that as far as that type of stuff is concerned, I don't really feel, I don't think there's anything wrong with sharing. I don't think it's not scary because that's, that's reality. That's the truth of who I am, you know? Um, I don't know. That's <laughs> I'm going so deep here. Sorry. No, I really appreciate you doing that. And I think, you know, when I think about sharing those sorts of inner feelings, um, I again, this might not be the correct, the, the correct way of framing it or even thinking about it. Uh, you know, I'm not someone who's, you know, I'm not at the same level you are with this stuff. You know, I have not been sharing, you know, my inner thoughts with, you know, my whole life or even <laughs> for parts of my life. Um, you know, despite the fact that you know, I'm on here, you know, two or three times a week talking about, you know, myself and, you know, in relation to the people I'm interviewing. And with that said, when you have those kinds of conversations, oftentimes it can, it can feel like, all right, I'm talking about this. So now I need to like, at least for me, the idea of like, oh, well, now I need to change it. Right. As opposed to just having, you know, like this festivist airing of grievances <laughs> type feeling. Um, <laughs> and then the idea of change can be so, can, can, can be really tough because even if like things aren't going perfectly, you know, change is hard, not only on us, but it affects the people that are, that, that we love, um, or even people that, you know, that we just don't want to go through it. I mean, it, it can cause this cavalcade of, of, of further conversations that can be tough and all that stuff. Right. And I think that, you know, maybe it's like, you know, when you raise a kid to be like, all right, like do what, you know, you're going to do the things that you need to do in the time investment early on can be overwhelming. I feel like this same sort of thing applies where like, if you start living this way, the early investment in it can be tough because it's like, everyone's going to be like, Oh shoot. Like, all right, the truth is coming out. And now we have to address all of these truths. How have you counseled your friends and peers who have started down this path with a full heart, knowing exactly what they want to do, but feel like it's an overwhelming experience in the beginning to really live the life within their truest sense and truest self? Well, I think that, you know, the key, in my opinion, is to start slowly. 
You know, you don't just jump in and go, you know, to heck with all this. I'm quitting my job. I'm moving to Costa Rica. I'm, you know, doing whatever. You know, it's just more of, of spending time living your truth and speaking your mind. Um, it can start as simple as, you know what, and you don't even realize you're doing it. Okay, I'm supposed to go, I don't know, I'm supposed to go to some event on Friday and I really don't want to go. And I never realized, but I actually never liked going to these things. Um, and just going, you know what, I'm opting out. I'm not going. And that's so simple. And it's, that's a really basic example, but that's where it starts. And then once you do that, you get a little bit more comfortable, uh, knowing and being in touch with what really makes you happy. And of course, if it's your kids, you know, awards ceremony, you know, you're going to want to go anyways, but you would go whether you didn't, you know, whether you wanted to go or not. Um, if it's something that you need to be, but a lot of times we realize that there are things that we do in our lives, a lot of things that take up a lot of time that we don't really want to do. Um, and it starts, it can start with something that simple. You know, you don't have to go to someone and say, I, you know, I've never really liked you and you know, not, not that kind of drama type stuff, but more just owning, getting in touch with truly what makes you happy. And, you know, we have responsibilities. We have things that we have to do. Um, and those things are non-negotiable. But beyond that, when we start looking at it, we realize there's an awful lot of things that we do that we don't need to and that don't, they don't support who we are and who we want to become, I guess. You referenced my conversation with Amanda Brooks a couple of weeks ago, uh, where one of the things that we talked about, and this is something that's been um, one of the themes in her work for a while, is the idea of like, who is a runner? Uh, what is a runner? So on and so forth. And I hear this all the time, especially if I have a string of people on the show who are really, really fast runners. And again, that might not necessarily be the reason they're on the show. They might have a, you know, their story that we're talking about might not be at all connected to their speed in any sense. Uh, sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't. But then I'll get like, you know, like say there's a month or so where I get some, some high level runners in a row. I'll get some emails and messages like, hey, what about the normal runners? What about us? You know, and it's, it's all <laughs> and I appreciate it because they're not critical. They just want. You know, th that's part of the reason I started the show and, and, and I'm, and I'm uh, sensitive to that. And I feel like you're a great example of this because you're someone who, again, you started running a little bit later in life. You're someone who embraces being a runner, being an athlete. And it's not as if, you know, next week you're going to run a three hour marathon. You know, you're someone who, who doesn't hide from that fact, though. You know, you're not like bemoaning like, oh, man, if I could only get faster, if I could only do this or if I could only do that, you know, and it feels like you don't. There's so many people and I've been there myself where each step in the running journey, instead of embracing that step, we're looking to where that step can lead us to a new normal where it seems like you're someone who has embraced whatever you are as an athlete, good, bad, or neutral, and relish that for its own sake. So what's that experience been like, not only for yourself, but connecting to other people who maybe have a similar path that they're on? Well, and that's funny because that's one of the reasons that I know a lot of people are weird about people posting their paces and, you know, on, on, you know, I post almost, well, all my runs, um, 99% of them. And I always post my paces and, you know, most of my paces I'm working on speed right now. I'm doing a little speed cycle. Um, but most of my paces on most of my runs are in the low tens to high tens. Um, and part of that is trying to, um, working with run for PRs, you know, they, they really beat that into you as far as in a gentle, loving way, but as far as, you know, to make your easy days easy. 
Um, but I mean, truthfully, those really aren't that easy for me. You know, a 10 minute mile, especially if it's a longer run, it feels kind of difficult. Um, and I think that, that that's the reason that I put those paces out there. You know, I'm not going to hide from it. I'm definitely not embarrassed of it. And I know that there are so many people out there who, you know, I even have, you know, women who say, you know, I, I'm trying to get to that place, you know, let alone the seven minute miles or any of that. You know, I don't have that in my genetics. I'll never be there. And I'm good. I'm fine with that. I'd like to see how far I can push myself. But, um, you know, I, I guess for me, it, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, I, I've had a couple of, interestingly, I've had a couple of comments. Um, I get a lot of comments about, you won't see these because I delete these comments and I'm not ashamed to delete them. People calling my pace pathetic. Um, I'm not a real runner. Is that seriously your five mile pace? Is that, you know, I mean, I get these and I will tell you that 99.9% of them are men. <laughs> and, you know, I just delete it because there's no room in this world for that negativity. Everybody is a runner, whether it's a 10 minute mile, whether it's a 15 minute mile, whether it's a six minute mile. Um, and I just feel like there needs to be m more pride in just, you know, again, it, m you know, <sighs> I don't know. I had a woman message me a couple of weeks ago and she said, you know, your, your profile makes me not feel ashamed of myself, you know, and that was huge for me. You know, if I can do that for one person and let them know that you don't have to run a seven minute mile half marathon, you know, I don't know. It, again, it comes back to just owning who we are and, and being okay with who we are and being proud and finding something good about everything about us, whether it's, you know, um, something that other people would criticize and call not a real runner or pathetic as those guys have. Um, you know, everybody has their own opinion, but I think that everybody is entitled to the, the term, you know, you put on running shoes and you go out the door, you're a runner, you know, period. All right. So you majored in psychology. You know, you've delved into, you know, your own personal psyche as well. And you're running these retreats where people are delving into their own. What do you think causes somebody to proactively comment in that fashion <laughs> in a public forum? <laughs> I know. In that I way. Like, this no isn't idea. even like, this isn't even like a DM you're getting where it's like, again, not saying that that's okay, but you're like, all right, well, at least like, <laughs> at least you can like understand like, all right, maybe like, you know, they're, again, the, the anonymity of it, at least in terms of public scrutiny I don't know. And that, 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 again, not that it's better, but like the fact that someone would write that in a public forum, you're like, whoa, like what is going on? <laughs> if you ever like thought about like what, what would cause this person to write something so inherently negative towards someone who's like just trying to live a positive life? Yeah. Well, interestingly, it's 99.9% .9 of the time, it's also a private account. So it's somebody who's hiding, really hiding behind that anonymity because their, their account isn't even public. Um, but I, I think it's the whole cyberbullying. I think that, you know, there's just this men, and I don't know why it's mostly men, but it could be because I'm female. I don't know. You know, I don't even want to go there because I'm afraid that, you know, I think that they all probably have their own reasons, um, but they need to feel superior. They need to, you know, put somebody down in order to make themselves feel better. All right. So I, following you is a joy because not only are you someone who is um, not only embracing, you know, the realities of their life and being open and honest, but you're also, in a, you know, very optimistic as well, which when you're living an open and honest life, it's easy to kind of, 
you know, fall into the negativity because not every aspect of life is glorious. So, um, right. or at least it, it can be, not, it can be viewed in a way that's not glorious. I guess it's a better way of putting it. So looking forward, um, what are some of the goals that you have for your life running wise, uh, business wise, entrepreneurial, and then just in terms of like self-actualization? Um, running wise, I definitely have a bucket list. I want to run a 50 miler. Um, and that's just, you know, I, I don't, I had the thought of Boston someday, but I'm a half an hour away. Like, you know, and that's training pretty hard. So I'm not sure. It doesn't mean I'm going to give up on it. But um, one thing that's happened, you know, in the last year, I ran a, um, a trail, a local trail, 25K. And then in that was in November and it something clicked on that run and it just felt so good. And then I ran a 50K, a trail 50K that I've run two years previously. So this is my third year and it had the exact same experience. Um that flow experience. And I, I'd never felt that before. Um, so I signed up for a 50 miler, which was canceled. It was supposed to be set you know, this last weekend. Um, so that's still out there. That's something I want to experience that again. I, and I know that I read in the books that these elite athletes and, and a lot of athletes in general have that flow experience and I'd never had it before. And I've only had it on those two trail races. So I'm itching to get more of that. I want to feel that again. I want to get out there and, um, and also push myself to see how far I can go. Um, so that, that's probably my only main thing right now. I'm working on speed to see if I can get any faster. Um, but you know, that's more because there's not a lot going on right now. And so it's fun and it breaks things up. And, um, and as far as everything else, you know, the retreats were hopefully going to, we had to reschedule our Colorado retreat, which was supposed to be in April. Um, it was sold out and I was so excited. Um, we had 10 women. Um, we had to reschedule that for October. So, We'll do that one in October and then our Shingatig Island in September. And then next year, hopefully go back both of those places. It'll be our third year in Shingatig because it's beautiful. Um, wild ponies, beaches, everything. Um, we want to also, we're looking at a race potentially in California. I'm not a race. I'm sorry. A retreat potentially in California. Um, so each year I'd like to expand a little bit more of that. Um, I, I just feel like. I don't know. There's, there's something about connecting in that, in that setting outside of everyday responsibilities. It's just very fulfilling. Um, I had a, a woman, um, at the Shingatig retreat last year at the end when she had come, she was, she was, she was nervous. And, you know, Bridget's really athletic, my yoga instructor. She's, she was actually a bodybuilder. Um, I don't know what they call a fitness competitor. She's got tattoos down her arms. Um, she's super fit. And, um, this lady at the end, she said, you know, when I saw you guys, I was terrified. She's like, what have I gotten myself into? Cause she'd never even really run before. Um, and at the end of the retreat, she gave me a hug. She had tears in her eyes and she said, you are going to change a lot of lives. And that is kind of like that flow I felt on the trail. You know, um, it's not a moneymaker. I do it because I love it. You know, uh, as far as, and, and again, being blessed that, you know, my husband supports me in doing it when it's not, you know, it's not going to let us retire anytime soon. Um, so that's, you know, just expanding that so I can reach more people. Um, to that end, we try and keep it really affordable. I mean, uh, relatively, I mean, it's, it is what it is, but you know, it's not going to be a $2,000, $3,000 running retreat. It's, you know, we're trying to keep it simple. We have everybody makes their own pizzas and wraps and, you know, um, we don't have a lot of fancy stuff. Um, because women won't spend the money on themselves. We spend it on our kids. We spend it on our husbands. You know, we won't spend it on ourselves. Um, so that's the goal there. And then I do have, um, you know, I write, um, I have 
two books that I'm working on now. I have the, my first one as fiction that was published along these same lines. Um, just this whole idea of, of um, getting back to who we truly are and listening and finding the strength that we already have inside. It's not like we're trying to become something different. We're, you know, it's already in there. We just have to chip away everything else so we can get back to it. Um, so I have that one out and the, the second book is in the works right now. Um, and then I'm also working on a nonfiction book. So again, along these same lines. Um, so I'm kind of doing a bunch of everything. Um, and I don't have 10 year goals. I have one or two year goals because I definitely, you know, I kind of just let things, I follow my heart and the instincts and everything else. Well, you are a powerhouse. You're doing amazing things. You also have a mailing list. You have this great blog. I advise anyone to go to your website, jenlebeski.com. It's kind of like the hub of all of these things. Just so much stuff. It really is. Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for all the things that you're doing. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Jen, thank you so much for coming on this show. Oh, my goodness. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you. It's just, you know, like I said in the intro, she is somebody who is just so easy to really get behind. She's so empowering, not only for herself, but for everybody else. I mean, she is just an incredible person. And that is why I was so excited to get her on the show. I mean, this is exactly why I have this podcast or these kinds of people, these kinds of conversation. And it really is just so enjoyable. So again, thank you so much for listening, for rating and reviewing the show. And for most importantly, sharing it with others. That's the thing that you can really do to help. Also, big ups to our sponsor, as always, Prevenex. Prevenex is hooking it up. Every week, I love those guys. Not only do they have wonderful supplements that I take every single day, I've also been using their plant-based vegan protein powder as my mid-morning snack. Mix it with water. You got the Prevenex um, mixing cup that comes with this little like metal sphere that uh, shakes things up, so it's not it's never clumpy. It always tastes good, and I'm just a big fan of it. So Prevenex, all things around, can't get enough. All right, guys, have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.